Shelley Schlender. And I'm Joel Parker. And this is How on Earth, the show that makes you smarter. Today is Tuesday, October 13th, 2015. Coming up, we'll get an update about a groundbreaking exploration of comets out in space from our science show volunteer and astrophysicist, Joel Parker. And my wonderful co-host, Shelley Schlender, talks with Carl Safina about his book, which we're offering to listeners who call KGNU to pledge their support. It's Beyond Words, What Animals Think and Feel. We begin with a look at some of the recent events for Science Buffs this week. Tonight, the CU Boulder Museum of Natural History will host their annual Fall Color Tree Walk starting at 5 p.m. at the museum. Also at the museum, now and for several months up ahead, you can see an amazing exhibit of 10,000-year-old Native American hunting tools that were unearthed as part of a landscaping project in a boulder backyard. And this Saturday is Archaeology Day at the museum. Saturday's festivities will include everything from flint napping demonstrations to museum tours with real archaeologists. Admission is free and open to the public. And I hear that there's another special local event tonight. And you can hear more about it from our science show volunteer and astrophysicist, Joel Parker, here at the Boulder Scientific, at the Boulder Cafe Sci presentation. Joel has been in the news a lot this year. He's been featured on the PBS show Discover for his work on the New Horizons mission to Pluto as a frequent commentator about space exploration for the BBC Science News and as a dedicated educator about space and science in the Denver metro area. Joel, congratulations for all of this. And how does KGNU play into this? How did this help you get your start? Well, I've always enjoyed doing the outreach. Uh, part of being a scientist is communicating what you do to the people who pay the tax dollars that pay the salaries of scientists who do this work. So it's giving back. And uh, science... Science really is for everyone. The science research may be done by people who are expert in the fields, but that knowledge is for everyone. It's hopefully for the betterment of humanity. So communicating to people what we do, I think, is an important part of what we do. Well, tell us some about what you're communicating tonight. Well, I'm a, uh, a scientist on the Rosetta mission, which you may or may not know has recently visited a comet and is still flying with the comet. And so I'm going to be talking about the mission, why, why we even bother visiting a comet. Who cares? What's important about comets? Uh, so I'll be talking about that, what we learn from comets and what we're learning from the Rosetta mission in particular. All that, <clears throat> all that happening. Yes. Yeah, so it's going to be tonight. Uh, my talk is called The Rosetta Mission, Up Close and Personal with a Comet. Uh, so it's the Café Scientifique which, if you aren't familiar with it, is kind of more of an informal discussion rather than a formal PowerPoint presentation. It's going to be at the West Flanders Brewing Company that's located at 1125 Pearl Street along the Pearl Street Mall here in Boulder. Uh, it's open to the public. It's completely free. My talk will start at 6, but if you want some food while I talk, uh, get there a little bit early so you can order. <music> You are tuned to KGNU's Science Show, 
How on Earth? I'm Joel Parker. So, as you know, we're in the middle of KGNU's Pledge Drive, Fall Pledge Drive, and today we have a very special book for listeners who pledge funds to help out KGNU. That book is Carl Safina's Beyond Words, How Animals Think and Feel. We're offering this book as a gift to you for pledges of $60 level and above. And, you know, Joel, <clears throat> Beyond Words is really a remarkable book. I'd, I'd love to invite everyone listening to read it, to give it their friends as a gift. It's not often I would gush about a book, but this <laughs> may be one that deserves it. And even better than me talking about it, we're going to let listeners listen to it, it themselves about um, all of these wonderful things this MacArthur Grant winner has found out about animals and how they think and feel something that scientists did not believe was possible a decade, a hundred years ago. It was not the way that people thought about animals. And now it's a totally changed field. And he talks about it. So we have a few segments that we will play to kind of give you a feel for what the book is about. So in this upcoming segment, I believe we'll hear Shelley talk with Carl Safina about African elephants, uh, some of the ways they're amazing and how we're about to lose them, especially through rampant poaching. Um, we'll also hear Safina read an excerpt from his book about what happened to an elephant family after poachers killed their beloved leader. Then the family disappeared for months and finally returned to a wildlife refuge and reunited with a scientist who had observed them for years. So instead of listening to me, let's listen in. Beyond Words, What Animals Think and Feel by Carl Safina Narrated by Carl Safina For the people in these pages who watch and truly listen, who tell us what they are hearing in other voices that share our air and in the silence. We patronize them for their incompleteness, for the tragic fate of having taken form so far below ourselves, and therein we err, and greatly err. For the animal shall not be measured by man. In a world older and more complete than ours, they move finished and complete, gifted with extensions of the senses we have lost or never attained, living by voices we shall never hear. They are not brethren, they are not underlings. They are other nations caught with ourselves in the net of life and time, fellow prisoners of the splendor and travail of the earth. Henry Beston, The Outermost House, 1928. I have to admit, when I opened your book, and started hearing how you were describing the elephants. It was very hard to read. I had this strong sense that here were these wonderful fellow beings, and I was going to have to miss them forever. Yeah, I know that feeling too well. Yet the joy of listening to how you described how marvelous they were kept me going, even though that feeling was achingly hard. Yeah. There is just this overwhelming joy and this achingly hard aspect to it. And the, the, unfortunately, the achingly hard aspect to it is the one that we are responsible for. Yes, because of poaching and destruction of habitat and fencing in elephants that really can't be fenced in. Yeah, just we're just overwhelming them in so many different directions. Yeah. Well, before we go too much into that, let's just talk about what's so wonderful about elephants. You describe how, for a long time, scientists 
described elephants as occasionally they wave their ears and make trumpeting sounds. And you would rather that they just describe them as having some wonderful ways that they say, hello, I'm glad to see you. Well, yeah, that is the frontier for trying to understand animal communication. Four rounded babies are following their massive mothers across a broad, sweet-smelling grassland. The adults, striding with deliberate purpose as though keeping an appointment, are nodding toward the wide, wet marsh where about a hundred of their compatriots are mingling. Sounds of ripping, chewing, flap of ear, plop of dung, the buzz of flies and swoosh of swatting tails, soft tom-tom footfalls, and mostly the quiet ways of ample beasts. Wordlessly, they speak of a time before human breath. They get on with their lives, ignoring us. They're not ignoring us, Vicky corrects. They have an expectation of politeness and we're fulfilling it, so they're not paying us any mind. They weren't always like this to me, she adds. When I started, they were used to vehicles snapping a few pictures and moving along. They were not wildly happy about me just sitting and watching them for long periods. They expect you to behave a certain way. If you don't, they will let you know that they notice, not in a threatening way. You might get a head shake and a look like, what's your problem? Through hummocks and the bush, in our vehicle we amble along with them. An elephant named Tekla, walking just a few yards ahead to our right, suddenly turns, trumpets, and generally objects to us. To our left, a young elephant wheels and screams. Sorry, 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 Katito says to Tekla. She breaks to a stop, turning off the ignition. It appears to me that we have separated this mother from her baby. But Tekla is not the mother. Another female, whose two breasts are full of milk, runs over, cutting just in front of us. This one is actually the mother. Basically, Tekla was communicating, the humans are getting between you and your baby. Come and do something. Elephants, they are like human beings, offers Katito. Very intelligent. I like their characters. I like the way they behave and hold their family, the way they protect. Yes, like human beings. In some fundamental ways, we seem, we are, so similar. But I can see Cynthia wagging a finger of caution, reminding me that elephants are not us. They are themselves. Mother rejoins baby, restoring order. We slowly proceed. What I find most amazing about it, Vicky sums up, is that we can understand each other. We learn the elephant's invisible boundaries. We can sense when it's time to say, I don't want to push her. Words like irritated, happy, or sad, or tense, they really do capture what the elephant is experiencing. We have a shared experience because, she adds with a twinkle, we've all got the same basic brain. I look at these elephants, so relaxed about us that they're passing within a couple of paces of our vehicle. Vicky says, this is one of the greatest privileges, moving along with elephants who are okay with you being here. These guys all go into Tanzania, where there are poachers everywhere, but here, Vicky talks to them in soothing tones, saying, hello, darling, and aren't you a sweet girl? Vicky recalls that after the famed Echo's death, her family went away for three months under the leadership of Echo's daughter, Enid. 
And when they returned, I started saying things like, hello, I missed you. And suddenly Enid's head swept up and she gave this huge rumble. Her ears were flapping and they all came around, close enough that I could have touched them. And the glands on all their faces were streaming with emotion. That's trust. I felt as though, Vicky says fondly, I was getting an elephant hug. That's Carl Safina talking about Echo, a great matriarch elephant who was killed by poachers, and her daughter Enid, who disappeared with the herd for months afterward, then finally returned and greeted the scientists. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. I'm Shelley Schlender. And I'm Joel Parker here. (laughs) And the book that you're listening to is Carl Safina's Beyond Words, How Animals Think and Feel. We're offering this book to listeners who call and pledge at $60 or more to KGNU by calling 303-449-4885, or you can pledge online at kgnu.org. There is a challenge this morning for How on Earth. The goal is $500. Uh, to reach, and then we'll get another $500 with special thanks to Mariah and Company and Agrobotics for their support. This is a great way to leverage your donation to KGNU. So if we can hit that goal of $500, we get a bonus because of you, our listeners. You are the reason we are here. And you are the reason that we do these shows, and we really do appreciate your comments. There were a number of comments on the comment line this morning about one of our shows, and we appreciate hearing that kind of feedback. We listen to those, and uh, it's important feedback because this really is your radio station. And so if we don't get feedback like that, we're just talking in a vacuum. But we listen to those, and we will respond to them. And in fact, if we have listeners who have ideas for GM guests who would be good to have on the science show, we would appreciate hearing from those. So call us and give us that information as well at 303-449-4885. The thing that I really love about being a volunteer here at KGNU is just the diversity of the shows and the diversity of the voices that are involved. I I say this every time. I love the fact that How on Earth is wedged in between Jim Hightower and Alan Watts. I mean, what a great place to be, you know, between uh, Jim Hightower's brilliant political dry commentary and Alan Watts's brilliant philosophical. And How on Earth is really a scientific bridge between those two, and I feel very lucky to be involved with that. And I feel very lucky that we have voices such as Carl Safina that we can share on the air, a great scientist who also is a great and passionate supporter of many animals that are going extinct. He's trying to save them. You won't hear shows like this on other stations that don't really have the community drive that we have here at KGNU. You know, we try to find shows and people who are local, who really have information that impact where we are, as well as global views from everything from GMOs to climate change to stars exploding in the distant universe. We cover everything from the atom to supernova. So if you are concerned with any aspect (laughs) between those two extremes, go ahead and give us a call at 303 449 4885. So if you can keep those calls coming, we'll have time to go back to another segment from Carl Safina's groundbreaking, groundbreaking book, Beyond Words, How Animals Think and Feel. So this segment is about another amazing animal. It's killer whales and how scientists who observe them suspect that they have 
mental telepathy, which leads them to occasionally to save people who have befriended them. Here's Shelley's interview with Carl Safina about those whales, and also we'll have Safina himself reading from his book. Now, you're a scientist. Is that right, Carl Safina? Yes, that is right. I have a PhD in ecology. In this book, Beyond Words, in addition to describing the personalities and longtime observation of these animals, you also provide the ways that their brains and the neurotransmitters and the hormonal systems of their brains are very similar to ours, that if you put cognition tests to these animals, they can pass. You're talking very scientifically a lot of the time. But when it comes to the killer whales, you think they're reading people's minds sometimes. There are times when it seems like that's exactly what they're doing. There are enough stories about that by scientists that I think are extremely interesting to include because who knows what in the world is or isn't really going on in those cases. I've sometimes come away, Ken says, with a real wow feeling, like I just seen something above and beyond. When you lock eyes with them, you get the sense that they're looking at you. It's a steady gaze, and you feel it, much more powerful than a dog looking at you. A dog might want your attention. The whales, it's a different feeling. It's more like they're searching inside you. There's a personal relationship that they set up with eye contact. A lot transmits in a very brief time about the intent of both sides. In those looks I've felt, he hesitates to say this, appreciated. But of course, he quickly adds, that's subjective. Appreciated? Ken started his research in the 1970s, right after the courts ordered SeaWorld to stop catching baby whales. Within a year or so, Ken says, if someone in another boat started chasing the whales each time they surfaced or began aggressively circling them, they would often come over and just stay around our boat. The whales understood that we weren't going to be involved in high-speed chases. We weren't going to be shooting any darts and tags. They saw, he says, that we were cool around them, which implies, you know, a consciousness of what's going on. Could that consciousness encompass a sense of Kedden's goodwill? After everything they'd been through with the captures, could they have appreciated Ken enough to return a favor? Ken has stories like this one. For days, we'd been following all three pods. They'd come in the Strait of Juan de Fuca, up the west side of San Juan Island, through Boundary Pass to the Fraser River, gone back down to Rosario, into Puget Sound, around Vashon Island, then back up here. One morning, they were headed into a dense fog bank. We followed them. This was in the 1970s. No GPS or anything, just a compass. We got lost down near the entrance to Admiralty Inlet, socked in fog about 25 miles from home. I knew the approximate compass bearing. We put away all the cameras and prepared to run. I started to head along that compass bearing at about 15 knots. We'd only gone for about five minutes when whales just came porpoising in from all directions until they were right in front of the boat. So I just slowed down and followed wherever they went. I had about half a dozen of them right in front of our bow at all times. Ken followed them for 15 miles. When the fog opened, he could see his home island. Well, he says, I do have the feeling that they knew absolutely that we had zero visibility. They knew exactly where they were. 
It was the year after the captures ended. They'd seen lots of boats and been subjected to a lot of aggressive behavior. But there they were, and as far as I could tell, they were guiding us. It was very touching. It gets, if anything, more touching and much stranger. The fact is, killer whales seem capable of random acts of kindness, acts that defy explanation, acts that make scientists consider some pretty far-out possibilities. One might conclude that killer whale behavior falls into two categories, amazing behavior and inexplicable behavior. You're tuned to How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. I'm Shelley Schlender. With me in the studio is... Joel Parker and Chip Granditz. Hey, Chip. Hi there, Chip. <laughs> How are you doing? It's a pleasure to uh, come here. I've been listening to the interview on my way down to the studio, and it is compelling stuff. It is interesting to hear a scientist use the words like, far out and <laughs> inexplicable. I mean, it's interesting that inexplicable really is the fundamental motivation about what drives scientists. But that's absolutely true. What drives science is not knowing, but not knowing. Well, and, and here we have a book where we've given you just a few excerpts from Carl Safina. He also talks about science. He talks about neurotransmitters in this book. He talks about how to save endangered elephants and killer whales, why to close down the killer whale exhibits at the Sea Worlds of the World. And you can have this book as our thank you to you by calling 303-449-4885 or pledge online at kgnu.org. And we would like to thank Harold for the pledge from Inglewood, uh, specifically requesting the book that we have mentioned here on How on Earth, Carl Safina's book, Beyond Words. Uh, and we still have a few left. If you dial 303-449-4885 as a thank you for your pledge in supporting your community radio station. It is a grand experiment, KGNU. In the same way the United States was a grand experiment in democracy, KGNU is an experiment in whether a community can reflect upon itself, can exchange ideas through a non-commercial way. Uh, in today's uh, technological, corporate-oriented world, it seems to be that the profit motive of bringing people's attention to advertisers is the only way that ideas can be exchanged. And KGNU has put forth the hypothesis that that, that is not <laughs> the only way. There is another way. Do we know if this hypothesis is true? Well, we have to test it a couple times a year. And this is the experiment, and you can participate in that ex experiment in many ways, whether it's your pledge to help these voices that you like to hear on KGNU, or as a volunteer, or any other number of ways, the comment line. So please do support your radio station in any of those ways. We have only a limited number of copies of Beyond Words, What Animals Think and Feel by Carl Safina. This is one of those books that if you choose it as your pledge drive, 
gift. It's one that you can give it to a friend and say, I heard about this on my community radio station, KGNU. You can hold it in your hands and think, this is one of the reasons I listen to my community radio station, KGNU, is to find out like vo- about voices like this and to learn more about them. We can only share just a little bit of this wonderful book on air, but you can have it as your gift by calling us here at 303 303- Four four nine four eight eight five. And I want to emphasize, when we say community, you may think of your local community here in the Boulder, Denver area, but KGNU's community is really a worldwide community, partly thanks to the Internet at KGNU.org, but everywhere around the world, we talk about things that concern the greater community. Well, and thank you for joining us this morning with Joel Parker and... Chip Granite's two How on Earth volunteers. It is 9 o'clock. We're going to be going to Alan Watts after we say this is KGNU Boulder, Denver, 88.5 FM, 1390 AM. And in the weather, we're expecting highs around 77 degrees and sunny skies. Now let's go to Alan Watts.